The CFB Winning Edge podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Join us at patreon.com slash Edge. Your support helps us keep the podcast ad-free and helps us fund our research projects and database management. Thanks to longtime support from folks like Blake and Bruce, our 2020 FBS team profiles will be fully updated and available to our Tier 2 and Tier 3 patrons on March 1st. That's two months earlier than our 2019 profiles, and also includes new and improved and expanded features. Visit patreon.com slash Edge for details. Enjoy the show. Welcome back. It's the CFB Winning Edge podcast. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. You can follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined by Nick Allen at CFB Winning Edge and Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E on the Twitter. And uh, this is my bad. Uh, yesterday, uh, apparently, I moved too fast. A cord came out of my uh, recording device here and completely biffed the whole entire second half of the show which was supposed to be the point of the show is covering the Big Ten yesterday. So I apologize, but we are back at it. Uh, I got these guys to re-record this whole thing with me. So uh, big thanks to them as well. And uh, my apologies for this being a day late. But uh, the Big Ten, Nick, I I mean, last year, obviously, Ohio State, the best team in here. Wisconsin made some noise. We had great contributions from Minnesota, they were 11 and 2. Uh, Nebraska was a bit of a disappointment at 5 and 7. I would say that even a 9 and 4 Michigan team was a disappointment. So, a uh, lot of ups and downs here, but what were your uh, big positive surprises and negative surprises from the Big 10 from 2019, Nick? Yeah, well, well, first of all, it's probably for the best that we had to ditch last night's recording. I mean, we had to we were going to have to scrub a lot of just the horrific things Xavier was saying about Penn State fans, and yeah, uh, it's just Very true. you know we're it, it's probably best to to get a do over. But uh, one more fan base come in. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it, it the the Big Ten was was super interesting, and and I think you know first and foremost Ohio State being uh, really one of the the excellent teams in college football really one of the better teams from a regular season standpoint that we've seen in a lot of years i mean there, there were three really really uh elite teams in my opinion this past year and ohio state was one of them so they were uh incredibly impressive uh we weren't as high we you know the the expectations for ohio state in the, in the preseason uh we had them sixth in our preseason our final projections uh which was the highest rated team in the conference but it wasn't actually uh we didn't project them to win the east we had them uh because they had to travel to ann arbor uh and they were pretty similarly rated to michigan and then if we think back you know a lot of folks were pretty high on michigan thought if michigan is going to beat ohio state this is the year you know first time full-time head coach uh, transfer quarterback, you know, didn't didn't really know exactly if they were going to uh, be hitting on all cylinders with both of those guys. Turns out they absolutely were, and and became one of the uh, the great teams of of the season. So uh, they were a, a, a slight surprise, I guess, because we we did have Michigan uh, just slightly projected uh, a, a little bit better, just 
winning that one game had them favored in that one game, though I think I, I look back at it, we had them favored by about a quarter of a point. So, um, and, you know, that that was basically a toss-up in the in the preseason, but as the season played on, of course, Ohio State was uh, was the best team. But uh, for us, the, the West was uh, super interesting, partly because the preseason we had – five different teams basically projected uh, to win the same number of games or, or projected as favorites in the same number of games. We had Iowa, Northwestern, Minnesota, Nebraska, and Wisconsin all expected to win uh, either eight or nine games uh, or, or f- favored in eight or nine games and then projected to win between 6.82 and 7.68. So there are a lot of different ways that it could have shaken out. Um, and we did not have Wisconsin winning the West, and, and we were pretty low on Wisconsin uh, in part because of some of their team performance uh, grades and things like that from the 2018 season. They underachieved in a lot of ways in 2018, and our numbers didn't really account for that very well, but uh, we did expect some good things from Iowa. I think we were a little bit higher on Minnesota than most, if memory serves. We had Minnesota as a top 40 team. Didn't expect them to be a top 20 team uh, or, or win 11 games when all is said and done for sure. And, and of course, like most people, we were uh, a little too high on Nebraska. We actually had Nebraska favored to win nine games, uh, which made me a, a little bit nervous, but uh, a lot of those were toss-ups. We actually had Iowa, Minnesota, uh, both of those teams were projected to to win more on average uh, than Nebraska, and we basically had Wisconsin about the same. So uh, we were too high on Northwestern, as, as a lot of people were coming off the the division championship to completely falling off a cliff in 2019. Not very many people saw that, uh, and we certainly <laughs> we missed it as well. But overall, the Big Ten, you know, a, a few bits and pieces here and there were. Uh, you know, we were off a game or two here or there. Illinois, we didn't necessarily expect to uh, win, a, a, you know, to go in a, uh, to a bowl game. We were too low on Indiana. But for the most part, it, it shook out pretty similarly to the preseason projections. And really, other than Nebraska and, and Northwestern, I don't think there were any huge surprises that caught a lot of people off guard nationally. Uh, Xavier, what were your uh, highs and lows as far as the uh, Big Ten goes? And I think the worst part about losing the recording yesterday is uh, the part where you said that Rutgers is one of your uh, most favorite entertaining teams. That's a real quote. That's not even like, that's not a lie like, you know, uh, Nick said at the beginning that uh, he was uh, lambasting Penn State fans. He actually said those words came out of Xavier's mouth. So There's no proof. I have no idea. There is none. Yeah, you're right. Um, the biggest surprise, my pleasant surprises for last year had to be Minnesota, uh, coming into the year. I don't think anybody had Minnesota with 11 wins. Uh, I don't think we had them. We didn't even have them with nine wins, uh, coming into last year, but they obviously proved us wrong. Um, and shut me up every week as I consistently had them on my fraudulent list for pretty much the entire year. Uh, but they continue to prove me wrong all year. They're their explosive passing attack in a defense that was stingy. Um, with one of my favorite corners um, or DBs, Antoine Winfield in the back. You know, they really, they really uh, came together last year. And everything kind of just, you know, came together the right way until down in the stretch where they kind of lost the West um, on their own uh, on their own accord. Uh, when you look at the other pleasant surprise for me, it has to be Iowa. 
Uh, it's just simply because of how they did it. They always seem to win gritty, grimy games where, you know, you don't really give them that much of a shot. They're, they seem to be out, you know, talented in pretty much every match, big-time matchup last year, and they still finished 10-3 and three with wins over teams like Michigan last year. Just, just uh, proves a point that coaching and, and, and a, uh, a style of play that the entire team has bought into really matters. So I really love watching Iowa. And, you know, although that they kind of are a snooze fest at that 12, uh, 12 p.m., uh, time slot every Saturday, they still get the job done. So, you know, from maybe at an entertainment standpoint, maybe not, but if you like watching old fashioned football, you know, for my people who are like 50 plus, 60 plus, <laughs> Scott, you know, I think that <laughs> I think that uh, Iowa was a team that was, was fun to watch last year. For my biggest disappointment, it has to start with the khakis. Uh, Michigan was once again a disappointment to, I think, all of college football. Uh, finishing nine and four, six and three in a conference that you felt like outside of Ohio State, they were definitely the most talented, you know, if not more talented than Ohio State. They just didn't show up last year. Um, they didn't come to play in big games. Obviously, they got destroyed by Ohio State to end the year. They lost a they lost a, a brawl to Iowa earlier in the season. And then, you, you know, add in two more losses. And it really just another bad year for them. For Michigan, you know, nine and four isn't a bad year for a lot of programs, but when you're considered the the biggest name outside of maybe Ohio State in your conference, and when you don't even get to ten wins, it's a bad year for you. Obviously, the other disappointment is right down the road um, in Michigan State. I had them possibly winning the conference um, and really shaking things. No, up. possibly about it. I, I we do have audio <laughs> proof of that. One. We do have that one. I did say that they would win it. That was, I mean, that was my. I don't know him. I think I had them in my final four for the CFB uh, playoff mm-hmm. as well, uh, which looking back on it was ridiculous. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think it finally shot hey, me back. Shot, to, yeah. I mean, hey, it finally shot me back to my system when they blew that lead to Illinois. I think at that point I was like, you know what? I was really, really wrong. I, yeah, I was really, really wrong. But uh, Michigan State, obviously a huge disappointment. Uh, now with Mel Tucker at the helm, who knows what happens. But I expected way more from a team that I thought with uh, at least with their starting quarterback being in his senior year was going to do better, at least offensively. And wrong, 100% wrong. Uh, my other thoughts, um, as I posed to you guys last time, how I know we talked about Jonathan Taylor being on your all-time running back list. Is And I know I'll kind of twist that question just a little bit. Is he the best running back all-time for just being there for three years? I think he has a good case. I mean, yeah. uh, certainly – there, he broke Herschel Walker's record for most rushing yards in three seasons, but he also played a lot more games. Herschel Walker played 11 games in each of those three seasons, and uh, Jonathan Taylor played 14 games this past year, and, and you know, 12 and 13 games, I think, the other two years. Um, just off the top of my head, I might have those numbers a little bit wrong, but uh, that, that, factors in a, a little bit i think you know per game he probably hasn't uh from a number standpoint quite uh, eclipsed herschel walker but then also uh the game is different so it, it's you know it's it's difficult to compare but i think he's certainly in the you know he, he's on the short list of most impressive careers from a statistical standpoint uh for sure and you know just as far as anecdotally and, and just being fun to watch. I mean, he's, he certainly has been one of the most, uh, you know, one of the running backs that I've had the most fun watching 
over the last three years. So he's he's one of the all timers for sure, and it it uh, stinks a little for him uh, just from a historical standpoint that uh, Ron Dane went to Wisconsin, and uh, if he were to to count his uh, bowl game statistics and his official NCAA stats would still be the all-time leading rusher in, in NCAA hit, uh, history, and it would be a very, very difficult record to break. Um, and so, you know, from a statistical standpoint, he's still not at the top of his school's all-time leaderboard, so it's tough tough to talk about somebody being the best of all time mm-hmm. in in that situation. But, but yeah, the way you, you tweak the question a little bit for three years, uh, I think he has a very strong case. I mean, he, he you know, if he's not the best – Three-year running back, he's he's second or third, uh, and I'm not even sure who who third on my list would be uh, at this point. So he's he's absolutely in the conversation and and has a a strong uh, resume to to be the one. Yeah, I mean, I would have to go and see all the guys that only wound up playing three years and leaving after their junior season or redshirt sophomore, but. Uh, uh, he's got to be up there. He's definitely got to be up there for sure. I mean, uh, best Wisconsin back coming out since Melvin Gordon, at least. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. and they 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 just churn out uh, the uh, they just churn out the running backs. Xavier, are you even old enough to remember Antoine Winfield Senior? No. Well, oh. not yeah. even in the NFL. He played for a while in the league, didn't he? Yeah, I wasn't a big NFL guy growing up. I was actually a big uh, college guy growing up. I don't get into the NFL until 2012, 2011. Uh, so 20, I'd say 2010 probably was my first time really watching games closely. Uh, but no, I'd have it. For anybody who doesn't know, I was born in 96. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a baby. It's cool. I get it. I get it. Uh, I get it. 96. Yeah. All right. Uh, anyway, <laughs> 83 for me. So, uh, it's, it's been a while. Yeah. I remember Antoine Winfield getting drafted. So, um, yeah, he's, uh, and An- Antoine Winfield jr. Uh, should be a lot of fun to watch at the next level. I'm, I'm curious to see where he goes, but, uh, let's take a look at this season. Uh, the, uh, Probably too early look that we've been doing at all of these schools. Uh, when you look at the Big Ten, Nick, here, we've got uh, the Ohio State, of course, ranked one overall in the conference and three overall in the country. Uh, Penn State, second in the East, nine overall. Then we've got Michigan, three overall in the East, uh, and then 13 overall in the country. Then we go down to Wisconsin is one in the West, 18 overall in the country. Then uh, Iowa, second in the West, 21 overall. Uh, Minnesota, third in the West, 25 overall. Then uh, from the fours down in each on the East, it's Indiana is four and 33. Michigan State, five and 50. Uh, Six and 102 for Maryland, seven and 11 for uh, Rutgers, uh, Xavier's favorite team. Then uh, <laughs> Nebraska at 4-43, and 43, uh, Northwestern 5-61, and 61, Illinois 6-65, six and 65, and 7-82 and 82 for Purdue. But there's a lot of QBs coming back here. I mean, um, you know, we've got Ohio State, Penn State. I mean, the only ones, Michigan doesn't have uh, Shea Patterson. He's gone. Uh, uh, Lewerke's gone for uh, Michigan State. 
and Nate Stanley's gone for Iowa. Everyone else has a quarterback that's uh, started at least a couple games on their squad. And, uh, you know, Ohio State ranks here very high, but only three returners on defense and losing some major firepower over there, Nick. Um, you know, not a lot returning on defense for a lot of teams outside of maybe uh, we've got eight coming back for Wisconsin, eight coming back for Northwestern, but everyone else is uh, fairly low. So um, Ohio State, even with uh, losing that much talent on defense, they keep Justin Fields. You know, they lost K.J. Hill and they lost uh, J.K. Dobbins as well, but we still got them at one in the Big Ten, right? Yeah, and, and their third overall and and keep in mind if this is your first time listening to us that uh all those rankings that scott was running down that's not necessarily where we expect each team to finish the season it's how we would stack the teams based on who would be favored on a neutral field so uh with that in mind we think that there are nine teams in the Big Ten that are top 50 teams. We think there are six teams in the Big Ten that are top 25 teams, meaning you know, if we stack those up against the rest of college football, uh, Ohio State would only be an underdog to two other teams. Penn State would only be an underdog to eight other teams. So uh, keep that in mind. Uh, you know, It's not necessarily – sometimes folks will say like, oh, how could you, how could you say there's you know, however many teams in the top ten? Usually it's with the SEC because there's like – <laughs> or top 10 teams or something. Uh, but uh, yeah, so just keep that in mind as we're going. But uh, Ohio State specifically, they're third, and I, I think that's about right. They are, uh, you know, position for position, certainly the most talented team in the Big Ten, and, and they're up there as far as most talented teams in the country. I mean, I think uh, I could I could pull up the most up-to-date in our beta uh uh, team profiles, which is coming up uh, available to our patrons here soon. Yeah, they're they actually rank number one in the country in overall roster strength, which is our metric for uh, talent projection, but weighted by experience and career production. They they slightly uh, edged out Alabama in that metric. So uh, this is the most talented team in the country. It's just not the most experienced team in the country. You ran down a lot of the names that are that are gone and, and didn't even get to, you know, Chase Young and Jeffrey Okuda, who are possibly, you know, two top five draft picks uh, coming up here soon. So mm-hmm. there's a, a lot of talent coming, you know, leaving Columbus. Uh, they lost three guys early to the NFL draft. They lost 10 senior starters. So last year's squad was, was pretty experienced in addition to being uh, just overall uh, so talented, but there's still a lot coming back. Justin Fields is, you know, arguably, uh, I, I think it's a pretty clear one and one and two for him and Trevor Lawrence as to who's the, the, you know, best quarterback in the country. I think a lot of people, uh, might lean Lawrence, but there are plenty of people out there who would tell you Justin Fields, uh, might be the most dynamic quarterback in the country. And, and those guys are top of the list for everybody as far as preseason Heisman favorites. So that's a, a big, big piece coming back. Uh, really the only sort of average, uh, position that they've got as far as our, uh, position by position, strength numbers go is is running back and usually it's pretty easy to replace uh productive running backs not that jk dobbins wasn't great but you know they've got 
some guys. You know, they've got Master Teague. They've got uh, just some. You know, they, they've got depth at the position. They've they've recruited really really well. So they're probably not going to miss a beat there. Guys like Steel Chambers and and uh, yeah, they they've got options. And, and of course, they're loaded at receiver and and basically uh, everywhere else in the country. So they're the team to beat. Absolutely. I, I fully stand by that this year. Uh, I, there's, there's probably no doubt about it. They're going to be favored uh, unless something drastic happens and they lose a couple of more projected starters to some sort of off the field incident, which has already, you know, hit them a little bit. So yeah. uh, hopefully, hopefully they'll be able to stay away from that. You know, everybody else as well, but um they're going to be the team to beat. I, I think they're probably uh, certainly going to be favored in every game. I know they do go to Penn State this year, uh, so that'll be a little bit, uh, you know, that'll be a tricky atmosphere. They go to Oregon. That's that's never easy. So they might not, you know, get through the regular season necessarily unscathed just because of some of the, uh, you know, uh, things with the schedule, uh, difficult, you know, a little more, uh, difficult schedule this year than last, but um, from a talent standpoint, they're they're certainly the team to beat. My only real question is, you know, uh, much like last year, I, I kept saying, oh, we've only seen uh, four games of Ryan Day as a head coach. You know, can we trust this track record? Well, we saw a great season, but what really we only saw one season. So I don't know that I, I'm fully on board that Ryan Day is one of the best. Uh, head coaches in in college football, though you know he certainly grades out at this point. I mean, he's he's undefeated in the regular season, only has one loss to uh, in the in a college football playoff on his on his record. So uh, we shall see. But yeah, they're they're the team to be. Um, as far as everybody else, it, it, the West is a little more wide open, I think, this year. Or excuse me, a little less wide open. This year than last, there seems to be a clear top three in our numbers with Wisconsin, Iowa, uh, excuse me, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. Uh, we are, I think, a little lower on Wisconsin than a lot of uh, the other analytical uh, metrics that I've I've seen out there. I know uh, a really really smart guy does some great stuff. Rob Bowen uh, has Beta Rank, which is a, a you know very in depth statistical model and I, I believe that his uh, preseason numbers had Wisconsin as high as sixth in the country, which uh, seems you know slightly high to me, but um, I, I'm not necessarily going to argue with it because last year, you know defensively for most of the year they were among the best in the country. Um, they have done some you know decent things offensively they they lost of course Jonathan Taylor but uh they're gonna you know they're just gonna throw another 1500 yard running back out there whoever it is it's gonna be somebody and they only bring back two starters on the offensive line but they've got you know just an assembly line of six foot five 330 pound guys waiting to to step in and and so I think that they are going to be fine um Minnesota I was a little bit surprised that that they came in third. I thought there was a chance Minnesota was going to be our favorite in the West before I actually ran the numbers, but I didn't realize how much they really lost defensively. And, you know, Xavier bringing up Antoine Winfield, that's a, that's a big loss. He was uh, one of the most productive players 
in the country from a defensive standpoint last year and, and uh, from a, uh, an experience standpoint and just a, uh, as far as the uh, position strength coming back, defensive line and linebacker, they're, they're looking a little bit weak uh, from a number standpoint uh, right now. But um, I, I think, and I will end my diatribe here, I, I think Penn State – uh, circling back to the East and, and sort of the top end of the uh, of the Big Ten, I, I think Penn State potentially could be if there is a challenger to Ohio State. Uh, the Nittany Lions seem to be potentially that that challenger. I know they've got some questions uh, on the offensive side of the ball. They lost their top playmaker KJ Hamler. They lost some depth at running back with a transfer Ricky Slade, and and people aren't. Uh, a lot of Penn State fans and even national uh, fans of college football are, are not necessarily sold on Sean Clifford being the guy to to lead Penn State to a Big Ten championship. Hopefully, he'll be able to take a step forward this year and and you know maybe help them challenge for that. But uh, they've they've got a lot of of solid uh, positions. I mean, running back, they're our second highest rated. Uh, position group at the running back position behind Indiana in the conference. They are uh, second as far as their offensive line strength. They rank second in uh, our linebacker group. And of course, you know, with Micah Parsons is, is probably going to be uh, top of conversation this year, similar to where Chase Young was last year. He's one of the most fun players to watch in all college football. And then right now they've got our highest rated uh, secondary. So I think Penn State has uh, a, a very strong uh, set of players that, that that could beat anybody on a given day. And when you're hosting Ohio State one week after Ohio State travels to East Lansing, which you know probably the Spartans have a chance to to take a step back this year. Got a lot of rebuilding to do, but that's always a little bit of a tricky place to play, and and can be a bit of a, a body blow. Uh, experience, you know, and and they played I they play Iowa the week before, so that's that's a tough three week stretch. Uh, so that sort of sets up pretty well for Penn State, I, I think. So uh, looking way way too you know too far in the future to to late October, but uh, I think if you were to ask me who might challenge Ohio State, I think Penn State probably has the best chance. Now, what about uh, you know Nebraska? We may have, I mean, you still got him a 43 overall, which is not bad, but you did say the West is kind of a three-horse race here between Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. Do you think that, um, are we overlooking Nebraska at all because they were so disappointing last year, and do you think they have a shot, or do you think they just don't have enough juice yet to compete with those top three teams? I think they absolutely have a shot. I, I think even though our preseason numbers this year compared to last year shows uh, more of a clear top tier and then a you know second tier, um, I, I do I do think that there is room for somebody to move up in the West, similar to what Minnesota did last year. Nebraska certainly could be that team. Um, we were we were high on Nebraska last year, and, and they do bring back uh, some nice pieces. We expect uh, Adrian Martinez, you know, because of his some of the productive things he's done, he's had some some excellent excellent games. And if he could stay healthy, if he can uh, 
be more consistent and and we get you know the best of adrian martinez uh, if not every week you know two out of every three weeks or three out of every four weeks or something like that i mean nebraska absolutely uh, i want to see wandell robinson's one of the most exciting players in college football i want to see more of him and and a full healthy season from him would be great um they've got a little work to do defensively, but they don't really have a, a major weak spot. You know, looking at the teams that are ranked ahead of them uh, on the defensive side uh, of the football, Minnesota's a lower-rated defensive line and linebacking core. Uh, Iowa is, is a bit shaky as far as our numbers go in the secondary. Their linebacking core is also a little bit inexperienced. And, and uh, absolutely, I think Nebraska could match up pretty well with that top three um and and i'm i wouldn't write off northwestern or, or illinois or purdue to be quite honest with you i i was surprised that purdue actually ranks so low in a lot of individual uh position ratings they've got our lowest rated quarterback that didn't really surprise me too much to be honest but uh there are lowest rated uh running back group lowest rated offensive line linebackers and secondary uh, I was surprised by that because I think Purdue has a chance to be better this year than last year, and, and I would not be at all surprised if they uh, upset a, a team or two and we see a, a Purdue team similar to what we saw in 2017-2018 that was capable of, of pulling off a big upset. But I, I think that that uh, Nebraska absolutely could challenge. Maybe this year, so then the Nebraska team we expected we might see uh, last year. So maybe they are a little underrated at, at 43. Uh, I think that's about in line with a lot of the others that I've seen so far from a number standpoint, kind of a top 40 team. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, uh, they creep up and at the end of the year, they're, they're a top 25 team. Uh, they absolutely have that potential. Yeah. I mean, I think there's just a lot of nice pieces coming back there and you get Scott Frost. This will be his third year there, right? Uh, yeah. So, uh, for better or for worse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For better or for, and I think we're going to find out a lot this year because if it's bad, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Scott Frost may not be long for the Cornhusker world. I mean, they don't really put up with losing for an extended no, period they of don't. time in Nebraska. But, uh, Xavier, same, same type of question to you towards the Big Ten. You know, Ohio State ranked one here. Uh, you know, uh, in the show we pre recorded, we spent a lot of time talking about how. Uh, Michigan really isn't the runner-up to Penn State uh, or the to Ohio State anymore, and it looks like Penn State is going to be the team in this conference, uh, you know, trying to uh, beat out Ohio State and make the playoff. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that when you look at Michigan, it's going to be one uh, narrative or another. It's either going to be the narrative that they lost so much talent last year that they have to completely rebuild this team, or it's going to be that. That regime, uh, led by Shea Patterson and company, was just not going to get it done. And now that they have a new crop of players, you know, they're only bringing back um, three stars on offense and five stars on defense. So pretty much a, pr- a brand new crop of players um, on offense and defense. That will be the group that gets it done. So you're going to even have one or two narratives. I'm, I'm signing along with that they lost a lot of talent. I just don't think offensively, where they already were pedestrian last year in a lot of matchups, they're just not going to be able to to replicate the times that they were good, like against Notre Dame last year. So I think that they'll sit three is probably the best. Um, I think that after three in the East, I think after Michigan, you get a, a drop-off in talent. Um, 
at least with our numbers. You know, once Mich- after Michigan, you get Indiana, and they drop from 13 uh, FPS ranking for Michigan to 33 for Indiana. So there is a, like, they pretty much have hold of the third-place spot. I'd be shocked if they were any lower this year. But to think that they will, you know, challenge Ohio State for the Big Ten East is far-fetched, um, at least with, you know, having limited talent coming back they rank 125th in returning production, um, and I think that has to be something that we that we hold um, them accountable for this year when we think about Michigan. You know, this would be the year that we give Michigan sort of a pass. We still expect them to have a lot of talent, and so we expect them to play well, but I don't think that when we look at them like we have in the past, they've also had the, the veteran leadership to go with the talent, and we just didn't know why it wasn't all meshing and making sense. Whereas this year, they have a lot of youth in a lot of key positions, especially quarterback. And I think that that, that has to hold uh, them accountable. As far as Penn State is concerned, they have to be the one to challenge Ohio State this year. They're the only team, in my opinion, that can make that uh, make this conference or make this division um, watchable. If not, Ohio State will run away with this division. I mean, you think about guys like uh, Micah Parsons going into his junior year. You think about the fact that they did lose K.J. Hamler, which is going to be a lot of their offense from the outside, but they still have talented receivers. They bring back the quarterback from last year who I thought, you know, against teams like Minnesota was really timid and and didn't come into his own. And I'm looking to see him do that this year. Um, I think that they have the best opportunity to knock off Ohio State. Uh, My only issue with Penn State is that going into that Ohio State game, they aren't really going to be tested as of yet. Um, They would have played Michigan and Iowa before then, which are good games to have had right before Ohio State. But similar to what Nick said, is it just too much at that point where they've been too beat up? They also have to play Northwestern. They have to go to Virginia Tech the second week of the season. And we know that sometimes in college football, it's a war of attrition and a war of health. And will they be healthy enough uh, going into that game to to, to perform to a high level, which you're going to have to do against Ohio State, even though that game is at home? Um, As far as Ohio State is concerned, they are a team that I look at that is a team that should win their division, but I don't see them as a national championship contender. Uh, they just lose so much talent on a defense that was amazing. They're losing the guys like J.K. Dobbins, Benjamin Victor, K.J. Hill. Uh, and this will really tell me how good Justin Fields is. When you come into an offense that has been really moving uh, down the train tracks before you got there, all you have to do is not mess it up. This is going to be his offense this year. He's going to be the focal point. He's going to be the guy that everybody schemes for. And, you know, he's going to have to lead this offense you know, for better or for worse. Defensively, losing a guy like Chase Young is ridiculously hard to, uh, to recuperate, that kind of production defensively, um, as long uh, uh, as well as with Jeffrey Okuda. It's going to be really difficult to replace two guys who are going to go in the top 10, if not top 15 of this year's draft. And uh, for that reason alone, I don't think that they're going to necessarily challenge for a national championship, but they should go ahead and handle their division uh, relatively decent. If we're talking about the West, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, talking about the West, I think that when you look at, um, it's really open. I like how close everybody is as far as team strength rating. I like how the fact that everybody, except for Iowa, is bringing back their starting quarterback from last year. Um, you know, and I think that that makes for a very compelling division. Uh, my choice to win this division early, early, early on, just looking at the numbers, has to be Wisconsin. Uh, they're bringing back a eight starters from a defense that we knew coming into last year was amazing. Um, they were the best defense that Ohio State played all year statistically until playing Clemson in the uh, playoff game. Um, so I think that with that being the case, they bring back an amazing defense that's going to be the focal point this year. Uh, for me, does Jack Cohn make that next step? You know, he, he lost Quentin Cephas. Um, he lost his strength to Rutgers of all teams. I think that 
you have to look at him, you know, making that next step offensively, and he's going to have to do it. Um, yes, they'll have their same big, you know, tree trunk size offensive line, and they'll have a guy back there who still rattles off 1,200 to 1,500 yards. But when it comes to winning a ball game, it's going to be in his hands this year, whereas last year it may have been in Jonathan Taylor's hands. Um, as far as Iowa's concerned, they're always going to be in the mix because they play ugly football. When you make people play your football, play your brand, which is ugly and makes the games close, that means you're always going to be in every ball game. Um, and lastly, for Minnesota and Nebraska, Nebraska, get it together. It, it's time. <laughs> Adrian Martinez was on everybody's Heisman watch list last year, and you wet the bed. This year, you're not on anybody's preseason radar. You're, you're for the most part, you know, we have you ranked fourth, fourth in the West, forty third in your FBS ranking. This is the year to surprise people, to go nine and th- nine and three throughout the year, ten and two, to do essentially what Minnesota did last year, and really, you know, bring Nebraska back to where it should be, and, and that's amongst the top of the Big Ten. Uh, Minnesota, if you guys can keep rowing the boat, I'll be surprised because you bring back four starters only on defense, a defense that ranked top 10 in opponent yards and top 15 in opponent rushing yards last year. That's going to be tough to bring back. And um, obviously Antoine Winfield being the ball hawk that he was, replacing that kind of player is never easy, no matter what program you're a part of, especially at Minnesota. Uh, but, hey, if anybody can get it done, it will be P.J. Flex. So I wouldn't be too surprised. So, yeah. Well, I wanted to ask, and I asked this uh, yesterday, and of course everything uh, went to crap here, but uh, how about uh, a Pac-12 team making the tournament versus Ohio State winning the Natty? Which one is more likely to you? Well, I'm actually going to change my answer from yesterday, which is what I'm going to say first. (laughs) I thought about about this long and hard after you asked me it. I think I answered it way too quickly. I'm going to go ahead and say Ohio State National Championship Pac-12, after looking at everything yesterday and kind of going back and uh, reading some of the numbers, yeah, the only team that I think would make it would be Oregon or USC, and I don't trust either one of those teams to go unscathed throughout the year, so I'm going to go with Ohio State being in the National Championship. And Nick, uh, same answer for you from yesterday? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, Ohio State, uh, that number one ranking in, in roster strength, that carries a lot of weight for me, because uh, that is adjusted for experience and production. Uh, they've got one of the elite quarterbacks in the country. Uh, and, and the fact that even though they are a bit uh, inexperienced at a lot of other spots, they're still, you know, pound for pound, the best roster, the strongest roster in the country. That, that uh, speaks pretty highly, you know, per, as far as uh, how they're going to be able to match up uh, against any team in, in college football. And, and I agree with Xavier that Oregon and USC seem to be the best shot for the Pac-12. And with Oregon's uh, change at quarterback, and uh, they've got uh, one of the best offensive linemen in the country, uh, arguably the best offensive lineman in the country, but he's the only returning starter. Uh, they're losing a lot of experience on the offensive line. They are losing uh, arguably the heart and soul of their defense. Uh, linebacker Troy Dye is is gone, and and I know they've got you know some talented replacements waiting in the wings. And Kayvon Thibodeau is is one of the uh, more exciting pass rushers in the country, and and so Oregon's going to be very good. But I just don't know if the quarterback situation is going to resolve itself 
uh, quite in time to, to really make a playoff push. Hopefully it does. I, I think it would be great if, if Oregon uh, really makes that that push. And, and uh, I am going to be a, a – I, I can tell just based on what the early numbers are saying that I'm going to be a huge USC fan next year. So uh, I would love if USC – uh, makes a run because our numbers are going to have them favored and uh, I'm going to say at least 10 games uh, going into the year and, and you know certainly not Alabama I think I, I first ran the initial numbers they're still about a three touchdown underdog to Alabama mm-hmm. uh, I, I have some tweaking to do I don't know if it's going to, to turn out quite like that but they're going to be favored against just about everybody else so uh, I know I will be rooting for USC because of that going to be expecting uh, them to win a lot of games and, and hopefully cover a lot of games uh, so that our numbers don't look just ridiculous. But uh, I, I don't know that I can trust USC quite yet. I, I think they are very, very talented. They are one of the most experienced teams in the country as far as returning production. Uh, so they're going to be very good. I think they're going to be, you know, a lot of people, understandably so, are going to be very, very skeptical of USC. Uh, but I think they're uh, they have a, a really strong chance to over you know over uh, achieve those expectations this year. But Ohio State, even though they're third in our numbers, it, it's a basically a, a uh, uh, sort of a, a three way tie almost. I mean, the the distance between number one and number three right now in this first run of our numbers is very very small, and. Uh, Ohio State is is certainly one of the best teams in the country, so I do expect that they will uh, make it to the playoff next year. I, I don't know quite yet if I think they'll make it there as an undefeated team. Uh, I think they could trip up uh, with a couple of difficult spots, and if you know if they trip up at the wrong time, lose to Penn State, that might cost them uh, a shot at the the. Uh, playoff spot but uh, I do think that they have the best chance uh, of making it and and probably should uh, make the playoff next year at this point Uh, how about a uh, non-Justin Fields Heisman winner out of the Big Ten who would you have to pick if if you could pick one person so the the first name that comes to mind is Adrian Martinez I know that he uh, has been banged up he has not uh, been consistent enough but his ceiling is very very high and i am still pretty high on scott frost as a an offensive architect and play caller i think if uh, we can get a healthy a fully healthy season out of adrian martinez and if he can start to stack some of those uh really great games uh, on top of each other where he can he can go out and, and you know throw for 300 yards and run for 100 and account for five total touchdowns he could do that any any game against any uh, opponent, we just haven't seen it enough, you know, to to be able to count on it quite yet. So if we can get a consistent outing like that, I mean, those those are the type of numbers that uh, put somebody in New York for sure. And and it's going to take Nebraska, you know, in the mix, probably winning the Big Ten West to actually get him in the legitimate Heisman mm-hmm. conversation. Uh, but I think the ceiling is there. But if, but uh, thinking about it a little bit more. If you were to ask me who has the best chance to get to New York, um, not win the Heisman, but but get there, I think Micah Parsons actually has a little ah, bit better uh, mm. shot than Adrian Martinez because I do think he's going to be the Chase Young of 2020. I mean, I, I think we're going to see you know 
uh, the, those 10 minute uh, diatribes on, on college game day and the, the uh, big noon Saturday, you know, whatever the Fox pregame show is called. And, and they're going to be at a lot of Penn state games this year. And he's going to get a lot of airtime. And, and uh, I think he's going to be um, the, the other, as far as a Heisman contender, uh, Penny Sewell at, at Oregon could potentially be that guy if, if he gets enough early preseason hype that that you know they hype up in offense the the media we I guess in the media or whoever who has a, a little bit more of a uh, microphone could could potentially get a hype train going behind him similar to like Orlando Pace. Yeah, I was uh, dude. I was just about ago. to say who was the last guy they even considered or hyped up, and I was, Orlando, Orlando Pace he was, was he the was name. Top he was top three, I think, in the Heisman uh, back in. You know, Xavier, Xavier, he played for the Rams when they were in St. <laughs> Louis. I know who Orlando Pace is. <laughs> I know who legends are. Everybody else? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, if you're looking for somebody to be sort of that media darling, that Manti Teow, that Chase Young, who uh, we hear week in, week out, always oh, the best player in college football. And the Heisman is, you know, such a quarterback award and somebody else should get some recognition i think micah parsons has the chance to be that guy so i would not be at all surprised if he's in that you know that group of of three or four that get invited to new york uh i just he's gonna have to do something absolutely incredible from a statistical standpoint to actually win it but uh i I think he he has a shot to to make a run at a heisman finalist but i think justin fields um Probably is is should be the the heavy favorite. If Travis Etienne didn't come back at Clemson, I think Trevor Lawrence probably uh, they would be basically, you know, I, I would I would consider them co favorites. But I think Etienne has an opportunity to take some votes away from Lawrence. So I think Justin Fields is is the clear favorite at this point. But uh, Martinez could go off, have a huge year, and and make a run. Uh, but I think Parsons is is uh, a good chance to be that highest voted uh, defensive player. And CFB winning edge is going to be hoping that Keaton Slovis wins it next year. Uh, hey, I think great. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, you get uh, you get bonus points. Daniels, for all I care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter who it is, as long as it's somebody. Amonra <laughs> St. Brown can win it. We don't care. Sure, um, why not? <laughs> that'd be fun. I, I think you get bonus points there for thinking outside the box with the offensive line, and but then you get negative points for doing what I call Phil Steele. And I asked you one guy, and you gave me three. So, uh, <laughs> if you guys that that's oh, a, back in two thousand seven. Ah, see, there we go. Now you're gonna give me trends. Phil Steele. Uh, no, Phil Phil Steele is amazing, but he will like brag about a uh, a Heisman call. He's like, we were the only ones that even mentioned him as a possible Heisman candidate, and I'm like, yeah, because you put sixty guys in small print on that Heisman page. Like, I think every quarterback in the SEC is mentioned in there. Uh, half the running backs, and then the top five uh, defensive players, wide receivers, and tight ends. So. Uh, but uh, Xavier, is is your pick for that also Adrian Martinez? Yeah, I think he could really have a Robert Griffin the third type year, um, where they don't always look great and they lose a couple of games, but he's just so dynamic that they have to give it to him. Now I know that they obviously his Heisman moment was beating Oklahoma that year, 
Um, and obviously he has multiple opportunities to do that with playing, you know, big name teams. But I think it could be that type of year where he wins the Heisman without having to win the national championship per se, um, or get uh, Nebraska even to the college football playoff because of how pedestrian or middle of the road they were last year. As if he's able to do it this year, um, especially with playing like, a you know, Ohio State in uh, in the shoe. I think if he were to ball out that game after having some great performances before, that could be his Heisman moment if Nebraska were to go on and win that game as well. I think that's the kind of season I'm looking for for Adrian Martinez. Lamar Jackson. He needs to put up Lamar yeah. Jackson type numbers. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I th- well, yeah. He if he's going to be considered. Man. Yeah. I, I think so too. Because you can't be close in numbers to whoever number two is, right? And then. Um, and then expect to get it. So yeah. uh, if you if you're not in the playoffs, so uh, but that's it. What do we got? Uh, one Power Five left, right? It's the ACC next week, correct? That's right, ACC, and then uh, got some other fun things planned as well. And and then uh, also, uh, I, I think we'll probably spend a little time talking about this in the early part of the show next week. But uh, I finally started to wrap up the uh, early version of the 2020. FBS team profiles yeah. gone through all 130 rosters. I have uh, two more conferences to go through as far as the uh, recruits go and should finish that up early tomorrow morning. And it uh, looks like Sunday morning we'll be on on uh, schedule to release those to our patrons, our tier two patrons. Uh, so if you're interested in getting an early look at that, I hope you'll join us uh, at uh, patreon.com slash CFB winning edge uh on sunday the first of the month that'll be that'll be available so uh very very excited we've got some uh already some new ratings uh and things like that 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 have put into the mix so the those profiles are already more advanced than they were uh during the 2019 season and then we've got a few more months to add a little bit more as well so really really excited about that and looking forward to releasing those on sunday I'm uh, I'm excited for that. Can't wait to comb through all of that uh, awesome info that uh, CFB Winning Edge puts out. But that's gonna wrap it up for us. Remember, you can follow us on the Twitter at Bogman Sports, at Xavier underscore Trish T R I C H E, and at CFB Winning Edge. And we we'll, we will see you guys next week to talk ACC. Take it easy, everybody. CFB Winning Edge is a Patreon supported outlet. The more support we receive, the more value we're able to bring to our listeners, readers, and users. There are several projects on our wish list for the 2020 college football season, including written previews, a weekly newsletter, and expanded podcast schedule. However, we can't grow without your support. Join us at patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge for details.